Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Happy New Year. It's us at the end of December, but we're recording this at the start of December. It truly is a time warp again here at ESSR, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. You can find us Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Listen to features, listen to Central, listen to all the great content we've got going on Saturday Draft Live. Um, other shows like East Meets West with Grant McRobbie, who's here today, who I'll introduce in a minute. Catch up the YouTube channel, basically run uh, by Daniel Campbell solely. Uh, so I think if there's anyone we should thank in 2021, it is Mr. Daniel Campbell. But the plugs had to be got out of the way quickly. Because this is a stacked show here today. We are going to be breaking down the top 10 lists of Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. We have put it to all of our prestigious panellists here to come up with a top 10 list of their favourite men of 2021 and the best women of 2021. We have collated all of those lists together using a complex mathematical formula. And we have come up with the definitive Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet top 10 rankings of the year and to break that all down with me i was going to need a top 10 worthy panel and first up is a man who is one best dressed podcaster best looking podcaster best sounding podcaster best charity man in the business it is mr gary kernahan gary how are you Oh, David, you know how to sweet talk me. <laughs> it's, it, and you know you'll always be the number one in my top ten list as well. Oh, my God, it's such a good way to start the podcast. Gary, any <laughs> any New Year's resolutions coming up? Oh, do you know, um, because we're recording this on the 6th of December, David, no, mm. I, I'm not, <laughs> not, not that far ahead. I am planning in 2022 to, to run my first sub four hour marathon. Nice. I should have done that in 2021, but I got injured mm-hmm. part of the way through it, so I had to settle for four hours, 24 minutes. A, a truly shocking feat. You know, a terrible time. <laughs> that's, what, that's my resolution for 2022. I'm going to do it in sub four hours. Amazing. I love that so much. And next up, when we talk about the top 10 Japanese experts on this very podcast, we talk about myself at the top. We talk about the GOAT at number two, the Dynasty at number three, Truffles at number four, Scott McLeod probably number five, Sarah Grieve number six. But then, and only then, do we have Grant McRobbie. Grant, how are you? <laughs> Listen here to you, you cheeky. I'm going to keep this PG. 
<laughs> Just you wait till Friday on the night out or what? You're getting battered. <laughs> 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 any, any favourite matches? <laughs> any favourite matches of the year? Favourite matches of the year? Mm, I mean, probably like watching Dave and Scott go at it in Quiz Showdown. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, that counts, yeah. <laughs> that, that absolutely counts. It was a great match. It's, it's always good not to be in an Ironman match because I can tell from experience they are exhausting. Uh, but next up, he was he was just mentioned there. And if we're going we're gonna to count down the, this man's top 10 botches of the year, you know, it'd be hard to narrow down such a wide field. You know, it is Mr. David Hockney. Dave, how are you? I was just waiting for you to start your list of top 10 botches because you know what? I think I'm getting better, you know, as mm. the years progress. And um, honestly, there's not many off the top of my head apart from maybe just a couple of slips of the tongue, but that's it really. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dave, a few slips of the tongue, you know, is something me and mm. Gary all know far too well. Right. You just want to, like, get a rib or something. <laughs> but introducing, last but by no means least, in the list of the newcomers here to the podcast, you know, Strack 2 uh, could try and make an argument. He won a quiz showdown. Callum Bennett's made some good appearances, but no one has made quite the impact that Big Boss Tam has when he drafted Bailey in the last round of the draft. He'll forever have my respect. Tom McManus, how are you? Oh, it's great to be here. Big Boss Tom is here. <laughs> well, to be fair, by the time this goes out, I might be back at the bottom of the draft table again, so I'll have to wait and see. I don't want to relish too quick. Listen, bottom or top, Tom, you know, you just know how to show a man a good time. But anyway, <laughs> we're going to break down these draft lists here today, and we are going to start with the women, the female top 10. Now, this was a contentious, you know, very back and forth list. You know, it came down to the wire, and I can say there is only one point separating the top two in this Ooh. list. Guys, are you ready to break it down? Absolutely. Like style. Good stuff. Let's do this here, guys. At number 10, tied. Now, I will say the panellists know who's on these lists. They don't know the order, so they're very excited here. At number 10, tied in points with ninth, but on less lists, which is why she takes the number 10 spot. David Hockney, I come to you. Mandy Rose, the current NXT Women's Champion, is number 10 on our list for this year. What do you think about the placement of Mandy Rose here? See, when you initially posted the list that wasn't in order and I, and I saw Mandy Rose was one of them, I was genuinely a little bit shocked because, I mean, her year since moving to NXT 2.0 is, you know, has been very eventful. You know, she became NXT Women's Champion. It's like her first major title. But mm. early in the year, you know, her tag team with Dana Brooke just felt like another lost in the shuffle team and she never sort of really stood out for me apart from, you know, maybe last year when she had that feud with Sonya Deville. But then again, that was 2020. This is 2021. So I'm I'm a little bit surprised that she managed to make the, the top 10, given, you know, you've had, you know, a couple of other stars that, you know, have had like big singles moments as well as tag team moments. And yet they mm -hmm. fell just short. Yeah, well, someone who isn't surprised, Dave, and it ain't come to him. You know, I'll be calling him out here. Tom McManus, you had Mandy Rose at number five on your list, you know, giving her a hefty amount of points here, maybe the difference maker and getting her onto this top ten. Tell us about the year of Mandy Rose. Why does Mandy deserve to be in the top ten for the year, Tom? Well, I, th I think she's definitely got to be in the t in the top ten for the year. I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised she's, she's as low down as number ten. You've got to look at the fact that 
NXT NXT 2.0 is a rebranding of NXT. So the new people in charge, by all accounts, is Bruce Pritchard and Vincent NXT have picked Mandy Rose out and said, this is the person that's going to spearhead um our rebranding. Because because as much as it's as much as I know Champ is the, the champ at the moment, they've all of the advertising, everything that they've done has been behind Mandy Rose. They clearly have faith in her. Um, going forward to this point and stuff like that, and it's she's certainly a very capable performer in everything that she's been in. She's mm. she's always been sort of there as sort of like if you can utilize her in the right way. So I think I think number ten now it's a good entry point, but I think Mandy Rose is somebody going to be seeing creeping higher up above the list as they go. Yeah, hundred percent, and someone who. We called it bang on the money. Grant McRobbie, you had Mandy Rose at number 10. You must be feeling pretty chuffed right now. But why do you think 10 was the perfect spot for her when you were putting together your own personal list? I feel for me when it came to like putting her on the list, it was based on the fact that while her kind of big ascent came coming back into NXT, like the first half of the year wasn't that she didn't have a, she had a bad year, but it's really to me it's the fact that she's made a big impact in a small period of time and got a lot of attention. The whole founding the toxic attraction, it's given NXT 2.0 something that's it's needed. There's not really been many women stables, so mm. giving them one like that and putting her at the head of it with the others, it's a great shout. Yeah, 100%. Gary, we've talked in this podcast before. We've done the shows about changing characters, what that can do for their career. Grant brought up Toxic Attraction Stables, what that can do for their career. Mandy Rose certainly is a woman on the rise in WWE NXT 2.0. Oh, totally, totally. And the this this grouping uh, in, of Toxic Attraction, they were really, I think they were three folk going nowhere. Uh, until they, they came together and the the reinvention of Mandy Rose, the completely new look, uh, the presentation is, is fabulous and it's working incredibly well. And I, I was and I'm surprised to see Mandy on the list. I don't, I'm not upset by it by any stretch of the imagination because her first half of 2021 I think is entirely forgettable. Mm. When you're, when you're highlight of the first half of the year is slipping at Wrestlemania <laughs> it, it says a lot and I mean she was doomed but uh, I think she was doomed the minute she was teamed up with Dana Brooke that was yeah. not that was not going to go anywhere and such a shame because when uh, Dave mentioned the the feud with uh, with Sonia I mean that was that that whole angle was so hot and for a year later for Mandy to have slipped down the freaking order so much. Hard is, fun. I know. Did you like that? I liked it. <laughs> um, is is awful, but huge, huge credit for this this uh, reinvention and this run now that she's about to go on. We've not seen Mandy Rose as a champion or even a, a serious championship contender before, in my view. So this is an exciting period we've got coming up for Mandy Rose. Yeah, a hundred percent. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, to be honest, Gary, but Dave, I actually need to come back to you for the first comment on our next pick also, because tied in points with Mandy Rose, but was on more lists is someone who you know too well, who you've been a bit of a proponent for in the past. The woman she beat for the NXT Women's Championship, Raquel Gonzalez, comes mm. in at number nine. Now, you had Ooh. Raquel on your list at number six. What do you think about Raquel Gonzalez's entry into the top 10 female wrestlers for ESSR 
of 2021. Hey, come on, we all love, we all love a bit of Big Mammy Cool, but um, in all seriousness, uh, I'm happy she's made the top 10, but I, I put her at number 6 largely because of her first half of 2021 when she broke out from under, you know, being simply just Dakota Kai's bodyguard. She beat Io Shirai in one of the best matches at TakeOver in the Performance Center. And she just took that ball and ran with it. Especially, you know, when she had that interaction with Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair on NXT the week after. It made it made her feel like a star amongst the others, which is why I ranked her a bit higher than number nine originally. And throughout the rest of the year, she just dominated the competition, you know, with this sort of very much um, Diesel-style character, you know, because she's a lot taller and a lot stronger than compared to most of the other women. She was a standout performer of this year. What I think sort of brought her down the rankings a little bit is that, you know, she only, um, once she lost the title, I think that's when her momentum stalled a little bit. But I felt number six was justifiable given, you know, how much of a dominant run she had. Yeah, 100%. Bigari, I heard you going, oh, when it was uh, Raquel Gonzalez's placement was announced. You actually didn't have her on your top 10. But w- what are your opinions on Raquel Gonzalez? Does she deserve to be in this list? Should you have been higher? Should you not have been on at all? What do you think? Well, I, I didn't include her in my list for a reason. I thought uh, I thought her 20... 20- After winning the title, I thought her run was, was particularly underwhelming. I was a bit disappointed with her I know um, I mean she had you know, a breakout moment was War Games of last year I liked the team with Dakota uh, Dave touched on the championship win but since she won the championship I, I was a bit disappointed with what followed we've seen the feud with Ember uh, if you could call it that uh, the match with Dakota dropping the title to Mandy I don't think there's much to know after she wins the championship Hmm. It is an interesting one, and um, when we'll come to Grant for your comments, it's with Raquel Gonzalez. It is tough to judge. Do you do you judge it on the highs that Gary's talking about, winning the championship, big moment for her, or do we have to take into account the fact that after that it was a bit stale? What are your opinions on it? See, I'm I'm with Gary. I feel I feel that like the title run itself was a bit a bit stale. Like the the, the thrill of the chase and that was brilliant, and the whole her with Dakota Kai was a brilliant little little team up. I honestly, I still I'm still outraged that Dakota Kai still never got that woman's belt in NXT. That's still yeah. outraged. That's and I felt that when she dropped the belt, I think I, to me I would have rather have had it been to Dakota rather than yeah. Mandy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel the whole run with Raquel. It, it just lacked something, you know. It, it, she, she's like she's a big, powerful woman, and to me, they didn't capitalise enough on it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, and I agree. And the the thing is, though, Tom, people are forgetting something. Not only did she win the women's title this year, she also won the the women's Dusty Road Tag Team Classic in twenty twenty one, and became oh, yeah. the inaugural uh, NXT Women's Tag Team Champion. So she did have some some good moments, some big moments, while she was still teamed with Dakota Kai in NXT in twenty twenty one. Well, I I think that's partly why everyone sort of come a bit left out of field um, on this, and the fact that. We are all a bit surprised that Gonzalez um, has made such an impact this year because I think everyone sort of thought that this was going to be Dakota Kai's year that they were sort mm. of pushing Kai into that into that section, but they've they they flipped the switch on us a little bit um, and pushed Gonzalez into that position. I'm mm. I'm kind of in the middle of the lads on this one in terms of where um, where my stance is 
on Gonzalez. I was a little bit like, I think she's too green. I don't think she's ready enough to be in this position. But I very yeah. much enjoyed her impact in this year's War Games. Um, mm. She's got this. She's got this really great style that you don't particularly see. It is very reminiscent of sort of like a big fast fella, a big lean fast fella like Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of the way that she runs and clears, throws fantastic clotheslines in the ring. And like, I, I think this might be a little bit early for Gonzalez to be on a top 10 list, but I, there's no point that, uh, to say that she shouldn't be getting ready to be included in that spot. I think you're going to see a lot from Gonzalez in the next few years. Yeah, no, 100%. I have to agree. I, I think that the title run being underwhelming is partly not her fault. I think there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of transition, where NXT really went to push her fully, not knowing if she would be there by the end of the year. I think that probably has something to do with it, in my personal opinion. Um, but it's it's hard to judge where she, where will she go next year. We need to see, I predict, new great heights for Raquel Gonzalez. But Gary, I'm going to start with you this time because number eight on our list was actually on your list as well, quite high at number six. It is the nightmare, Rhea Ripley, who is at number eight in our top ten list. Gary, tell us about the year of Rhea Ripley. Was this a banner year for Rhea? Should she have been a bit higher in your opinion? Yeah, I think Rhea's year is also one of one of two halves. It started off, I think, with with loads of momentum and has faded somewhat. But one has, uh, think you know, the highlights amongst this are, are fabulous. You know, the, a really really strong showing in the Royal Rumble. You know, uh, winning the championship against Asuka, moving into feud with uh, moving on to defend that title for 98 days eventually dropping it to Charlotte Flair um, uh, and also then picking up this sort of odd couple tag team with Nikki uh, AASH and uh, what turned out to be I think a surprisingly for me at least a surprisingly enjoyable uh, run with the women's tag team championships mm. Um, I think Rhea has all the tools to be a star. Um, there's, uh, like I said, I thought the start of the year was was pretty stellar. Uh, I, I like I liked Rhea more as a as a sort of nasty heel. I'd like to see more of that from her. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably why she's come out at number eight because of the latter half of of the year. Although featured continuing to be featured not quite as strong or not quite as prominent as she once was yeah no 100% and someone else who had her fairly around the same position was Grant McRobbie Grant you had Rhea Ripley number 7 on your list and and take us back Gary's talking about the time where she was really hot when she was really prominent when she came out challenged Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania when that match was announced Asuka defending against Rhea Ripley what were your thoughts were you you captivated by that match were you on the Rhea hype train at that point I'll be honest, I've always been on the Rhea hype train since she like, came into NXT UK and kind of came back into WWE with this the kind of the gimmick that she's been running with the whole nightmare thing and like to me it's it's a case of like she's so young she's achieving so much mm. I mean even having her at this stage on at this stage of her career on a, on a top 10 list this high is an absolute astonishing feat second half of the year kind of lets her down a little bit but then they look at her age and she's already been champion across multiple brands like really she's going to to me she's got the potential to be like a future like an all time great because I absolutely love watching her do her, do her thing 
Yeah, 100%. There is room to grow there, Tom, which is maybe why you left Rhea Ripley off of your personal list. Were you more looking, we've talked about the higher WrestleMania, talked about how good she was in leading up to this year, but it's undeniable there was a dip. Like, what do you think the problem was with Rhea Ripley coming into the middle to the latter half of 2021? I'll, I'll be really honest. I kind of think that perhaps I think perhaps it is just the fact that it's it's from a dip after WrestleMania. It didn't seem to really go anywhere. You've got Charlotte coming back, who's obviously always a heavy hitter for them. Mm. Um, I, I I'll be honest. I'm I, this was one that really shocks me that was on the list at all in terms of Rhea, Rhea Ripley. I was I was a little bit surprised with this, but I think that there's every chance that this is. This is perhaps just on me that I've not gone out and sought her enough. But also, you've got to yeah. say from that point, what shouldn't it be on Ripley to sort of grab me and be like, I'm one to watch um, in terms of this. But I, I can't call it, to be honest. Perhaps I've not seen enough of her this year. But to be honest, Ripley's inclusion was a little bit of a surprise for me this year. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I, we come to Dave. Dave, you've always made clear you're a fan of NXT. You enjoy it. Sneaking in in 2021. It's our last women standing match against Raquel Gonzalez. Like, do you remember that? Uh, it was the, the first week of the year at New Year's Evil, and it was an mm. absolutely great host showdown. I think that's that's maybe the Rhea Ripley we want to see. Someone who just comes in and wants to fight, wants to have these big, hefty scraps like the one she had against Raquel. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, those two are like best mates in real life. So they've got amazing chemistry together and they put on a barn burner of a last woman standing match. And then just a couple of weeks after, she goes and becomes runner up of the Women's Royal Rumble. Obviously throwing her name in that she's going to be, you know, running rampant. But I think what let her down for me personally was, I mean, I think she was just in the right place in the right time, given that, you know, Charlotte's WrestleMania status was a little bit up in the air. And she just so happens to be in the right spot where she challenges Asuka with little to no build. She ends up winning and then, I don't know, she just sort of goes into into cruise control for the remainder of the year. You know, she's obviously, she gets the Raw Women's title as she's rightfully earned it. But yeah, I think I think she was just way too much, you know, on the on the back burner a little bit you know despite spending the majority of the year holding the title so mm. that's kind of why i left her off my list but she was but it was very close though given that you know she had a very strong start to the year but way too much to cruise control as the year went on i think raquel and rhea ripley numbers nine and eight in this list the reason they make the top 10 but not too high can be summed up by big peaks but it did dip at certain points throughout the 12 months, which is why maybe they can't be pushed higher. But we do come to someone who I think is going to be the most divisive entry on this top 10. I told Stephen Wilson who, who the list was, and he was buzzing to see her. I told Jack Graham the 10 that were on the list, and he couldn't believe that she made the top 10 to begin with. I've said it was a travesty. I'm going to come to Tom McManus because he didn't have it on the list either. Tom, next up on our list at number seven, it's Becky Lynch, the current Raw Women's Champion. Tell me about Becky. Was it too late an entry into the year for her to be this high up the table, for her to be number seven in our top ten, or is it justified? What? Where do you lie in that, sir? Uh, I I think it's too. The the entry was too late in the year, and, and not enough's been really done. I think. I, I, I just don't think she's been part of any any particular moments that I've, I've particularly wanted to see. The last the last thing I watched with Becky that I genuinely went out and saw was the SummerSlam match, 
Um, and that's down as like one of my worst segments of all time. That was horrific to watch. I, my my personal fit. I've always said that the man gimmick was done wrong. Um, I I I always think that the pro, my my biggest problem with Becky Lynch has always been the fact that they they've been booking on the back foot because they never. They never got the reaction right for a SummerSlam. Was it 2018 when that came about, or was it 2019? Mm-hmm. 20, I think it was 2018. Yeah, they 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 messed SummerSlam 2018 up so bad with Becky that they've been booking on the back foot ever since, and they've never recovered from it. Um, mm. In my opinion, I I yeah, I think it's just too soon to say that there's there's been nothing from it where I've said this is great. Um, yeah. yeah, I've just not seen anything. No, a hundred percent. And Grant, like we we talk about the reinvention of character. Obviously, she came back. She's turned to you. She's calling herself Big Time Bex. But you talk about the the relative lack of action in ring for Becky Lynch in twenty twenty one compared to someone like Jordan Grace or Ty Conti or even like Hikaru Shida Io Shirai who didn't make it into the top ten. Why do you think people? ranked Becky Lynch so high up to put her in this position? I think really a big part of it comes down to the familiarity with her um, and you know like just sort of like the way she kind of came back she yes she, like the, the impact was astronomical because you know whether you feel it's back foot booting or booking or whatever it's a case of when she came in I, it, it fit perfectly for what was needed at the time um, they didn't have really like many big heels available and she slotted into it so well like kind of coming back almost to that sense of entitlement but yeah it's it's, it's impressive to see her make the list so high after mm. coming in so late yeah well we need to call someone out for, for getting on this list so high and he's fallen in the other category Dave you actually had Becky Lynch higher in your list than number 7 you had Becky Lynch at number 4 for the year what was behind that decision? See, looking back on it, I think maybe I was a little bit generous with that ranking, but largely because, you know, what the guys have been saying, I think it's the sole impact of her return was enough to put her on the list to begin with, um, even though the, the SummerSlam segment was a bit of a car crash. But the the reaction to her returning after 18 months away on maternity leave, it was that just about summed it up for me. I thought she has to go on the list, even at number 10, just for that primarily. But even... Just as soon as she came back and won the the title, all she's done is continuously get talked about and continuously make an impact. You know, it doesn't matter if it's on Twitter or cutting promos. Like she can still cut promos like brilliantly. And I think they've she's done something in that. You know, she sort of exemplified what she did in 2018. Like she wanted to get people to bear with this new sort of heel turn, and she's sort of sort of played it over again and is now going under the moniker of Big Time Bex and she feels like a genuine heel now as opposed to one of those cool feels that the fans will cheer for just because she's such a very over character like this was a a new reinvention of Becky that you know it's been I think it was much needed given how long she's been away for and I think people are just really pleased to see her back. Gary, to balance it out here like she did admittedly we've talked about the return the impact of the return and what was maybe a bit of a, a lacklustre Survivor Series heading in, the, the feud and match with Becky and Charlotte Flair was one of the most highly anticipated matches that I can remember happening this year. Maybe it's due to real life coming in, but that that has to count for something, surely. 
Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, folk were were super excited to see her return uh, at SummerSlam. Now, the execution of it uh, wasn't to my taste either. And this match, this angle, this feud with with Charlotte, they certainly were one of the, I think, the only real highlights going into Survivor Series. And is it was it all was it all a work? Was it real? We probably will never know, but they certainly made you believe believe in it. Um, there's just something that's interesting about this booking of Becky for me. It's almost like the WWE seemed to be wanting to give us a version of Becky Lynch, which I'm not sure the fan is the version of Becky the fans want. So it feels it's, feels it's reminds me a wee bit of Stone Cold's heel turn. I'm feeling it kind of forced in my throat a little bit. I, I, I mean, I think she's doing exceptionally well at playing the the part that she's given, but it's, that's not the version of Becky Lynch I want. I don't want uh, to boo Becky Lynch because I love her. <laughs> fair, fair, um, and, and you felt well, the same way about about another uh, female wrestler once upon a time, you know, as well in Bailey. So you've been. You've been scorned in that household by two of the four horsewomen at this point, Gary. But oh, totally, they, they, don't <laughs> break, they don't have to break my heart. I can understand why people have voted for her, David, because um, she has had an impact. Uh, I don't think it's a big enough impact to to justify a place on a top ten of 2021 mm. list. Unlike some of the yeah. other ones that I said they weren't on my list, but I can absolutely see why people voted for them. Mm, no, 100%. Well, someone you did vote for, Gary, and who has made the list at number six, 44 points, shout out to Scott McLeod, is Charlotte Flair. Uh, Charlotte <laughs> Flair comes in at number six in this list, Gary. Charlotte Flair, one of the most divisive figures in all of professional wrestling, but you can't deny her talent. No, not at all. And Charlotte's had an interesting, an interesting year. Uh, the final three of the Royal Rumble, missing WrestleMania, returning afterwards, returning heel. And I think Charlotte's at her best when she is positioned as a heel. We had a, a feud with Rhea that followed, uh, eventually uh, w- winning another championship. Um, probably, you know, that's probably one of the things that folk um, criticise Charlotte as too many short title runs. Mm. We've seen a, a interesting feud with Alexa Bliss and then the draft over to SmackDown and the the, angle, the confrontation you mentioned with uh, with uh, with Becky Lynch. And there are some highlights in this year for Charlotte, but in many ways, Charlotte set the bar so so high that a year like 2021 probably isn't within her personal top ten list of years. That's just such the calibre of talent that Charlotte Flair is. Mm, no, 100%. The thing was, though, we talk about how high her talent is, like the calibre of Charlotte Flair. Tom, she did start this year with a bit of a dud of a storyline. She started this year with a feud with Lacey Evans and her dad, Ric Flair. That, was, that wasn't the best way to kick off 2021 for Charlotte. Oh, God, I'd forgot about this. Thanks for reminding me of that. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, Oh, no. Oh, yeah, right, okay, yeah. (laughs) That's completely taken, like, I had completely forgotten about everything about that. So everything I've prepared to say about Charlotte 
has just gone from my head. Oh, what a terrible, <laughs> terrible angle that was. Yeah. Tom, if, it um, helps, if it helps get your memory back, uh, that baby was just born a couple of days ago, was. wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. I saw the picture. I saw the picture that she posted. I completely forgot that that was a thing. Yeah. Um, completely disregard. I mean, when Charlotte's used well, she's the best women's wrestler on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm, I'm yet to have someone presented to me that. Um, can can go at the work rate that Charlotte goes at. I, I, I kind of agree. I kind of agree um, from the statement that um, this probably won't be included on Charlotte's top ten list of her entire career. But even it, it just goes to show that even when Charlotte's having perhaps a not great year, she's still halfway up the list on the top ten list. Like mm. that's that's the caliber of performer that Charlotte Flair is. Yeah, no, and we talk about like the, the dips in her year, but but Grant, she did, she does have great matches, even when we're not fully invested in the feud. Perhaps she had a great work with Rhea Ripley this year. The triple threat match, it's a SummerSlam that also involved Nikki Ash was a good one. Charlotte in ring, if we were just to take everything else out of it, Charlotte's in ring work is perhaps what justifies her place relatively high up this year's list. I mean, I'll be honest, when it comes to Charlotte, I do not like her in the slightest. She didn't even make it on my list. I never even considered her. I have never been a fan of Charlotte Flair. It's mm. quite as simple as that. Um, I don't know what it is about her. You know, on principle, I should really like her because I can't deny she's got some great in-ring work, but there is just something about her I just can't get behind her no matter how hard I've tried. Fair enough, fair enough. And that's the thing with this list. That's why we get everyone's opinion and call it in because we all have... Uh, our subjective sort of opinions about people though people that are just won't be for us that might be for other people and Dave I need to come to you on Charlotte Flair what are your opinions on her like in terms of where does Charlotte Flair fit going forward when we get to 2022's list do you still see Charlotte being high up here you had her at number 5 in your list so it's clear mm. that you have some positive opinions on her yeah this is very much Charlotte 101 uh you know, she always consistently puts on good matches. She gets the ire or the adulation of the crowd, depending on her persona. And she's not one to shy away from controversy either. And all of these little things, although I think some sort of were more so than others, you know, particularly, you know, controversial angles and exchanges, etc. That's may have got the fans riled on her and stuff. But the thing is, people were talking about her and yet she was still consistent with her title wins and her in-ring action. So that's why I put her smack bang in the middle of the list this time around. Mm. And I don't see 2022 being any different for her. And I think she's probably going to be etching ever closer to that 16th Women's Championship. Oh, dearie me, that'll be, that'll be some occasion. But I, I kind of wish that one of my co-hosts in Saturday Draft Live, Scott McLeod, is here because we need to sing this fifth entry into the list. Number five in the top ten list is Rosa. 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 Oh my God, is there an echo in here? Threw me off my groove. Uh, but Grant, I need to come to you on Thunder Rosa. Uh, 52 points places, number five in the top ten list of the year. What are your Tell us about Thunder Rosa, Grant. Why does she deserve to be on this top ten ranking? Thunder Rosa has been an absolute superstar since, like, well, really, even before she came into the bigger picture in AEW, but her work in AEW, especially with Britt Baker, she's been, like, a pillar for their women's division, because let's face it, like, last year, 
what the women's division in the AEW was pretty much slated on the constant because let's face it, it was mm. pretty rank rotten. Yeah. Thunder yeah. Rosa has been one of the people that has got people invested in that women's division and caring about it finally. And mm. that, that to me is a big thing. Like our, our match with Britt Baker is going to be, it's going to go down as one of my favourite matches of the year. I loved yeah. it. It was violent. It was what you wanted it to be. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think it's, it's moments like that that have got Britt Baker, uh, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa uh, uh, to this position on a ranking. And Tom, you had her very high in your personal list. You had her all the way up at number four. And you've Grant mentioned her work in AEW, but she also had work for another company in this year. She was the mystery opponent for one Diona Perrozo at uh, Slammiversary and Impact. It's, it's performances across brands, across promotions, whether it's NWA, whether it's AEW or whether it's Impact Wrestling that have meant that Thunder Rosa's body of work can't be denied in 2021. Well, I think that's one of the massive positives that Thunder Rosa has got going for her, that she's proven that she can perform on multiple stages um, over the last couple of years or so. Um, and she's always one of the most exciting things whenever she comes in. She's always partnered up again. Like NWA had a lot of very exciting characters. It's a very promo-driven uh, environment, and she still came in, and she was one of the most exciting parts about the NWA. Um, AEW, got to agree, she's completely been one of the driving forces to revitalising that women's division that they have. Um, she's very enjoyable to watch um and then yeah to to go to go down and and be part of the impact title to to just be like we want this person that's on your shows to be part of our title picture that's that says that very highly of what the people in the knowing wrestling must think about you um Mm. in my opinion so yeah i think Thunder Rose is going to be one of them people that is like she's a superstar she's going to be a superstar I think that's the word, isn't it? Superstar, like yeah. not in the WWE sense, but Dave, you come. Like I personally didn't know much about Thunder Rosa before the start of this year, but slowly and surely, the appearances and the hype and people talking about her—that's what caught my attention, and it must have done so for you as well, because we know that you're you're mostly a WWE guy. Uh, but Thunder Rosa made number eight in your list. Is that what happened? It was just the hype, the attention was too much to ignore. That's exactly it. Like the the lights out match was was the one that really sealed the deal for me and making sure she was getting on here. But actually, the last that the first time I actually knew of her was when Stephen actually carried out an interview with her, which you can hear on the the back catalogue. But mm. ever since that lights out match, Thunder Rosa has been top tier talent for AEW's women's division. And as um, as you said, you know her going cross promotion as well. It, it just sort of added to her stock and how valuable a commodity is she is to the the industry. So I mean, having her presence on AEW, there's I I could probably say that by this point next year, I hope she becomes AEW Women's Champion because she's thoroughly earned her position as the top one of the top females in the business. And I the reason I had her down a bit low is because I think AEW were just too hesitant to pull the trigger on her, and I think she was ready to just sort of take the ball and run with it. But I think because she was sort of held back a little bit, that's why I was a little bit lower down. But I completely justify her being sort of uh, number five. Yeah, and the thing is, we have to move away from Thunder Rosa because we talk about someone who had some great main events against Britt Baker in AEW to a woman who main evented WrestleMania. Gary, number four on the list is the boss, the blueprint, Sasha Banks. 
go flashes back to that main event uh, with Boz actually is Gary still here yeah I'm still here that's fair enough I just seen your message in the chat so yeah was it was it just me it cut out for the other people those days no it felt like it went very quiet for me for a second when I was talking before but I'm yeah I I don't know if it cut out okay it'll be be fine anyway I'm sure I'll take a note and I'll see that Quacker can can have a look at it but anyway I've noted that and we'll, we'll go back the boss Sasha Banks Gary flashes back to that WrestleMania main event it's Banks versus Belair this showed that the Banks she's the veteran in this scenario she's the one who's been around WWE for a lot longer than Bianca has she had to carry this moment to an extent and she did a stand up job of that Oh, she totally did. I mean, what what uh, a moment, a WrestleMania moment that was in so so many ways. Uh, for for the the first woman to main event WrestleMania, first woman of colour to main event WrestleMania, tremendous match, vicious match at the time. That that uh, whip from the hair, those marks that <laughs> left in Sasha's body were totally wicked. And um, you know that you know the sort of breaking kayfabe, if you like, at the end of the match when Sasha sat outside the light ring, looking on at Bianca celebrating, she couldn't help but but smile. But what a you know what a moment that was. And Sasha's body of work throughout the the pandemic, performance era, performance center era, the Thunderdome era was phenomenal. Um, this incredible match. I still think this should have been uh, Sasha, Sasha and Bailey in the main event at WrestleMania. It wasn't to be. We got uh, you know, Sasha was well deserving of the spot, put on a great show. Obviously, left for some time after that and made a return at Extreme Rules. Um, and yeah, I think I think Sasha is very well deserving of this spot on the on the list. Yeah, and the thing is, we talk about history being made with what Gary's talking about, the WrestleMania main event, but Tom, she also was part of a a big moment competing in a a rare women's match at Saudi Arabia that turned out to be a fantastic triple threat match, also involving Bianca Belair, this time Becky Lynch as well. It was a a fantastic, surprisingly brilliant encounter. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things where Sasha's such a dependable worker. She's she's always going to... Every situation she gets put in, she always finds a way to deliver on it. Even when she talks, because I, I remember watching the uh, the Stone Cold podcast that she, she did this year, where she talks about the strain that wrestling takes on her, particularly on her mental health. And now she talks about how she doesn't feel like that wrestling's her only passion. She's got other things to do, and she has yeah. done other things, especially with that season two of The Mandalorian, which is oh. she's fan. She's absolutely fantastic in that. I mean, she's. She's genuinely such a dependable and passionate worker, and this is this could be her only at 75 50% of what she's mm. capable of running at. And I think that's one of the reasons why you know Sa- Sasha's probably going to be remembered as one of the, the greatest of all time, yeah. uh, realistically. Like, it's fantastic from Sasha every yeah, I, year, she's I, always I deserving so. of a place. I think so. Sasha Banks, we just talk about Dave. 
star power, we talk about presence, we talk about banner people to build your company around. You have this woman who is main event at WrestleMania now, like Tom brought up, she starred in a big franchise like Sasha Banks. Like there is no limit to what she can achieve. But what do you predict will be the achievements of Sasha Bank in twenty twenty two, Dave? Ooh, this might be a bit early to call, but I think it would be great if she ended up winning the Royal Rumble. Nice. Like, I don't think there's much more that she can really do. I mean, she's been multiple-time tag team champion, multiple-time women's champion. She's she's basically exemplified what the four horse women set out to do, and that was just to conquer WWE and usher in this new age. And the way she and Bianca main-evented WrestleMania, that was a groundbreaking moment in itself. So that gave her, that put her quite, uh, quite in a good position on the list here. And... But what I think let her down was her um, absence from SummerSlam and the and the preceding weeks. So I mean that was a bit of a blip on what was already a consistent 2021. But I hope you know she picks up in the new year. Well, we talk about we need to get into our top three, and there was a definitive top three here. This woman plays the very high, was on a lot of lists because she was in a lot of companies. Grant McRobbie, I need to come to you to talk about the virtuosa Diono Perozo, Diona Perozo. Sorry, I'm just too excited talking about this talent, this two-time Impact Knockouts champion, Lucha Libre, you know, a triple A. She's done it all. Tell us about Diona Perozo. So Diona has really, really made an absolute impact in the last year. Um, if you think back to like 2018 to 2020, she had that stint in NXT, which never really came to much. You know, it, it, it never really got a chance to, but then she got released and she took control of her career. And she started by going back to Impact, where she's had some stellar matches. But in particular, in this, in this year in 2021, she has just had fantastic matches against all comers from from sort of like going through the likes of like she's had matches involving Chelsea Green. There's been the Mickey the match with the feuds with Mickey James. Yeah. Absolutely spot spot on. Been involved with things with Molina. It's she's proven that she can hang with pretty much anyone in the women's division wherever you put them. She just nails it. And she's really to me possibly to me one of the top if not the top person outside the WWE and women's wrestling like setting the benchmark everywhere she goes yeah I think the benchmark is right we talk about the, the greats and impact and we talked about how good a, a women's division that impact wrestling has Grant it's only right that, that someone from that division was to represent impact on this list do you think yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, Impact's got some fantastic women's talents, and, you know, I think, as we briefly mentioned earlier, like, Jordan Grace not being on this list, to me, a little bit of a crime, but, yeah. you know, every, everyone's got everyone's got their own opinions, but to me, any, anyone, if anyone's taking the time to watch Parazzo, it's it's just hard to, to go against her. I mean, mm-hmm. she, her, yeah. her reign before she lost to Mickey James, that was 343 days, almost a full year. <sighs> Amazing, amazing stuff. And I have to say, I'm, I'm rubbing my hands together right now because it looks as if we're going to get an absolute dream impact feud between her entire Valkyrie heading forward after the events that transpired earlier this week. So I'm very, very excited uh, for that one. But guys, we need to get into it. It's our top two. There are two left in this list. You know exactly who they are. One is Bianca Belair. 
the other is Dr. Brett Baker, DMD. I want your predictions for who you think is number one. Gary, who do you think is number one? Oof. I... I, I know who I voted for, but I think it's going to be Britt Baker. Okay, Dave? I'm sticking with Bianca. Tom? I think it's got to be Baker. Grant? I'm hoping Britt Baker takes number one, since my number one didn't. <laughs> Can't tell you. Diana Peraza was third with a score of 80 points. Both these women had a score of 123 and 124 points. They were by far the most dominant women polled in our entire countdown. I can tell you the first women we're going to discuss at number two in our list is Bianca Belair. Dave, Ooh. going to come to you. Ah. You had Bianca as your favourite. You had Bianca as your pick at number one. What a banner year for Bianca Belair. A breakout year uh, for the EST of WWE. Oh, listen, she's done everything absolutely under the sun in, well, obviously because she's a WWE person, like, you have to sort of focus primarily on that. But, I mean, what else was there that could, that she couldn't have done to, you know, earn number one? I mean, she wins the Royal Rumble. She main events WrestleMania, wins that, uh, holds the women's title all the way up to SummerSlam, gets into a high-profile feud with Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. You know, she's mingling with all the four horsewomen. And then to cap the year off, she ends up being the sole survivor of the Survivor Series team. Like, she's ticked every single box that's it comes to accolades in WWE, and yet she's miss missing out on the top spot by, like, one point. I mean, it's, it's a kick in the teeth because I think everybody's been talking about Bianca, not just in the ring, but also from uh, outside the ring as well. Yeah, and we need to, Gary, coming to you as well, you've, you've spoken very highly about Bianca Belair. It's the look, it's the athleticism, it's in the ring, it's the promos, it's the entire package. You talk about someone, you know, they say when Randy Orton used to compete, I remember, I think it was JR, so if you could build a wrestler from the ground up, it would look like Randy Orton. Now, if you could build a wrestler from the ground up these days, it's probably looking like Bianca Belair. What's your feelings about Bianca Belair? Oh, I think she's I think she's uh, incredible, the complete athlete. Uh, so uh, powerful as mm. well. The strength is is unbelievable. And I mean, what you know, Dave listed some of Bianca's accolades this year, but won in the Royal Rumble, main event in WrestleMania, won in the championship, uh Defending your championship in Hell in the Cell, being sole survivor at Survivor Series, wrestling in Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure what else there was for Bianca to achieve this year. Well, and the thing was, she also had some good wins. She had the, the SB Award uh, for Best WWE Moment um, for uh, uh, WrestleMania against Bianca, uh, Sasha Banks, main event. And she also ranked the, the PWI. Uh, 150 female wrestlers list. She topped that this year as well. Um, but we need we focused on the positives, Dave. Like, what was your favourite Bianca moment from this year? If you had to pick one, oh, it's got to be main eventing WrestleMania. Like, it was it was a ground. Well, a lot of people would call it, you know, like a first ever historic type moment and stuff. And in a, in, a, <laughs> in a way, it was because you know it got a lot of media attention. And you know that you've got two women of color uh, main eventing WWE's first show back with a crowd after basically almost a full year and even that on its own even her reaction alone it was just like look at what we've achieved and look what we've worked towards i mean the 
the way she was sort of blubbing her eyes out, I mean, it was almost just too much to handle, really. But she just got over the initial jitters and delivered what was all a very, very solid performance worthy of a WrestleMania main event. Mm, and Gary, I will, I will say maybe the only thing holding her back from topping the list this year is it maybe the SummerSlam moment is that maybe the caveat that a lot of people put because listen there was one point in it like she was always either people's number one or two when we pulled for this list do you think that's maybe the thing that just held her back a wee bit from topping the list I mean at this level we're splitting hairs aren't we because Britt yeah. Baker has had a phenomenal run as well and is a, a very worthy uh, number one uh, as well, so we are we are splitting hairs, but that's what it's the difference between elite athletes uh, mm. and elite competitors is. Possibly, David. I mean, it's it wasn't Bianca's fault that that um, was the outcome of what was produced at SummerSlam. So it possibly counted against her. Uh, certainly, her title run deserved to finish in a better way. I think. I think it's fair to say that what followed with yeah, the angle that followed between Bianca and Becky could have been better, in mm. my view. Because um, uh, you've seen the moment when when Becky came to the ring, that that audience in Las Vegas were well up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it, it, the thing is, I think. The best is still to come from Bianca Belair. We talked about Rhea Ripley and the potential earlier. I think Bianca's the same thing. She's going to be a cornerstone of WWE for years to come. Number two in our list, but Grant, the doctor, will see you now topping the list of ESSR's top 10 women of 2021. It is Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Tell us about Britt Baker, Grant. Why is she worthy of topping this list? Why was this the right decision? Britt Baker has been like she's been the name on so many people's lips for the entire year sort of coming up through with the long-term storytelling in the AEW she's really well this year was a culmination and to me she's on in the middle of an absolutely stellar run as a heel champion um, you know the, let's face it the breakout moment probably for the whole year was between her and Thunder Rosa the lights out match Despite the fact that she lost that match, she came out looking a champion. And, well, who's the champion now? Yeah, yeah this is it. It's the, who's the champion now? Tom, you also had Britt Baker as your number one pick. And we've got to look at some of some of the moments. But the choir things as well, it's not just about what happens in ring. And then ring work was great. But Britt Baker has found her character this year. We look back to the segments with Tony Schiavone that helped build her up. I remember like my favourite moment, like she wins the title and then she goes and Tony stands up from the booth and there's a hug. And there's just as much a pop for that moment as there is for like the title win itself. It's just a fantastic character building stuff from Dr. Britt Baker this year. Well, I think I think that's exactly right, to be fair, David. And I think that's probably what's clinched her the top spot because I think to be fair if you were to compare the two Bianca's in ring work is a certain level possibly above um, Britt Baker's level but the simple fact is Britt Baker's the people's favourite this year people love Britt Baker and she's still able to back it up with fantastic matches and I think, I think that's why you've got to the point where there's only one point between these two just from the fact that I think it comes down to the fact that Britt Baker's just on the more entertaining show at the minute. It's not either two women's fault. 
she's just in a more entertaining environment where there's more creative freedom to to do, to have moments like that. Yeah, that that really stand out. And Grant, we talked you talked about it earlier how we would rightfully lay into the AEW women's division in the way they're presented sometimes. I think that maybe this is a symbolic victory for what that division has done with Britt Baker as the cornerstone, with Britt Baker as the face of the division, the woman who's really sort of turned the ship and ran the show. She has to get a lot of credit for the state the division is in now. Aye, that's, she's she's done a lot. I mean, like, like don't get me wrong, there's always another woman across from her, you know, to make things work. But if you look at things like um, they had the, the main event for Dynamite, she's had a main event on Rampage, um, if I remember correctly. You know, she's mm. whenever whenever she's went in the big like the big matches, there's always been a great story built. I look at the story build for her and Take Conti at full gear. Yeah. Take Conti was in WWE almost an afterthought. Like they didn't know what to do with her. Yeah. Baker yeah. and Take Conti put in a great match, and both looked like absolute stars coming out of it. Fantastic stuff. And, and Gary, do you want to add anything on Brett Baker topping this list? No, um, I mean, her, um, a special shout out to her because thanks to her support with Tony Schiavone, uh, I almost, almost won the last season at the draft. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And Dave, you, you know that. You know, you were a big Bianca Belair fan, but Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, is a very worthy, you know, winner of ESSR's top female wrestler of the year. Well, there's no denying it. Yeah, I think I had her at number three, actually. Uh, well, firstly, because I, I love Diona Perazzo. I think she's been outstanding. Yeah. Uh, but I think what, what I left, why I didn't put Britt Baker at number one is because I think Tom actually said it best, is that... You know, I think it was the the show that did it for her, rather than her doing it for her. But not mm. that she didn't do any good stuff, because as I said, the lights out match before, outstanding. Her her heel turned into the and her association with like uh, Reba, not Rebel, and Jamie Hater. You know that puts her on a pedestal, and she had some outstanding matches against like Ruby Soho and Tay Conte. So it's she definitely had all the accolades and the the big wins to sort of definitely put her at the near the top, but. I didn't. I personally didn't put her at the top because of again. It it seems more about you know choosing AEW over WWE in this instance. Yeah, and we need to get a big bracket here, guys, because the top ten list: ten Mandy Rose, nine Raquel Gonzalez, eight Rhea Ripley, seven Becky Lynch, six Charlotte Flair, five Thunder Rosa, four Sasha Banks, three Diana Perazzo, two Bianca Belair. And ESSR's top female wrestler of 2021, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. But we now need to look at the men's list, the men's top 10. It's going to be a very interesting one here. Get to number 10, guys. Grant McRobbie, going to come to you. At number 10, it is Josh Alexander sneaking into the top 10, beating out some close competition and Darby Allen and Edge for the spot. Why is Josh Alexander deserving of breaking into this top 10? Josh Alexander deserves it because he has been an absolute cornerstone for Impact Wrestling in 2021. Um, obviously, he used to be a tag team in the North with, um, with Ethan Page. He had yeah. to find a way to make things work singles-wise and He's had a stellar year. Um, he, he became X Division champion. He's 
he's held the belt for quite a while. He's had some fantastic defences. Even had a, a sixty-minute man, a sixty-minute Ironman match, which was something else to behold. Um, even going for the option C, relinquishing the X Division Championship to get a shot at Christian at Bound for Glory for the yes. for the Impact World Championship. He went through so many things in just one year, and was consistently a top guy to watch, both mm. in the ring and watching his character develop. Yeah, and he has such a great look with like the mufflers on, and it's it's all a great time. But uh, we talked about it, um, Tom, with Diana Perazzo, the symbolism of having an impact star and recognizing the work of that company and the rebuilding work that that company has done over the last couple of years. They truly are putting out an entertaining product, and, and Josh Alexander is maybe the pinnacle, some would say, of of what they have in that men's division. Well, well, I always feel bad whenever we we talk about impact on things because I don't regularly watch impacts. But you you are exactly right there in the fact that they in terms of talent, in terms of developing talent, they're doing such a good job uh, of things at the moment. I sat down and watched a couple of uh, Josh Alexander and Diana Perazzo today uh, in preparation for this. Um, Alexander's just he's he's got such a, a sweet blend of that uh, collegiate style wrestling in terms of making it also entertaining he's he's very very entertaining to watch in, in a similar way to obviously the way that uh, Kurt Angle was entertaining but I think Alexander just makes it his own he makes that mm. style very much his own he's not relying on the fact he doesn't want people comparing him to people like Angle that have come before him with that style of like Greco-Roman wrestling yeah, no, exactly, 100%. And I have to say, someone, I'm kind of like you, Tom, I watch Impact when I hear mm. good things. You know what I mean? I'll go out and seek out a wee clip if I hear, oh, that Diana Perazzo's good, doing good work. This is how I fell in love with Taya Valkyrie. It was entirely through YouTube. I just found a clip and I kept watching stuff whenever she'd come up because I thought she's fantastic. Josh Alexander's not one of those people. He's just caught my attention, caught my eye, and I, I see big things coming. I don't think the, the sky is the limit for Josh Alexander. We could see him even higher up than number 10 next year. But, but Gary, there's someone we need to talk about. It's our fellow countryman. It's Big Daddy Drew McIntyre at number 27. He, he, not number 27, 27 points. He comes at number nine in the list. Gary, it's a bit of a mixed year for Drew McIntyre, truth be told. In previous years, he might have been further up than number nine, but do you think number nine is a fair position for Drew McIntyre to fall right now? Oh, this is an interesting one, David. I uh, expected... Drew to be a bit higher up the list. He certainly was a wee bit higher up my my list. Number four in your list. Number four. Yeah. Now he's been. I had him higher up the list because he's been constantly featured. Now, if you think back to the start of the year, he he. I think he'd done a tremendous job at the Royal Rumble with the match mm. against Goldberg, which I think exceeded everybody's expectations of it. Um, he then. Um, went on to drop the title after the Elimination Chamber into The Miz and then yep. we seen the feud with Lashley and then kind of what followed then when he came out of the losing end of that feud was some mini feuds with Sheamus and Jinder none of them um, were particularly spectacular but he was constantly featured um, you know and for that reason I thought he would have been a wee bit higher but I can totally understand why he's come out at this position mm, Exactly and Dave you get let out one of those O's we love to hear it when the, 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 the rankings are revealed you know but you, mm. you seem to agree with Gary do you think Drew McIntyre should have been a bit higher than number 9? 
Yeah, I completely agree with Gary. I think Drew's been done mega dirty here, given how how he entered the the year essentially. You know, as he said, he actually got a good match out of Goldberg at the Royal Rumble, and he he did something that only Undertaker's ever done, and that is by defeating Goldberg. He's also he's only the second man ever to defeat Goldberg and Brock Lesnar in one on one matches. Which I mean, that's a massive accolade in itself. But as Gary said, you know, Drew's been a a mainstay of. WWE in 2021 after basically being the guy to carry the company during the pandemic era uh, he got his WWE title match at Wrestlemania which I think between him and Sheamus could have just been easily have just been a number one contenders match but either way Drew has been backing up with all year round he's been consistent he's been on the main shows all the time and if you look at our Saturday Draft live draft there's a reason why he's one of the highest scoring picks of time because he's always being featured and he's over popular with the crowd and this is the thing I think we had that t- a tale of two types of people who, when we're, who are putting these lists together a lot of people had Drew fairly highly ranked in their list there were some people who had him maybe number 10 number 9 where he's ended up but to average it out there were people who didn't have him on their top 10 at all and two of them are actually with us today Tom you didn't put Drew in your top 10 what what was the thinking behind that? Yeah um, I've I've got to be. I've not really enjoyed the presentation of Drew post WrestleMania. It very much felt like once we got to WrestleMania, that was kind of the end of Drew's big push. Um, I I haven't enjoyed the the gimmick with the sword. I, I haven't. I didn't enjoy the feud with Jinder. Um, I, I I I think the 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 only way I can sort of put it is the fact that knowing what I know about this list and certain omissions from it I think Drew's been given a bit of a free pass to be on the list personally oh goodness Tom coming out with the big hits the big guns are blazing I have to say I can't find my list I was was sort of setting Tom and Grant up for a few I I don't actually think I had Drew in my list either to be honest with you, I, I do need to fall in the same opinion. I don't think it's been a great year. When I think about what Drew's done, most of it was meh for me. And Grant, that's probably why you also didn't put Drew in yours. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, looking at my list, we can we can honestly say that 2021 is the year that I well and truly completely fell out with WWE because only mm. one person in the, the E actually made it onto my list. Mm. Um, but yeah, like to me, there was just too many stronger candidates and too many other promotions that have had stellar years beginning to end I appreciate Drew what he done during the pandemic but a lot of the booking, even the, likes, like, the way Drew lost the title and stuff like that yeah. it made me really quite feel disheartened with the product um, mm. so unfortunately Drew like this, if it was if it was this time last year Drew would have been pretty much in my top 3 but this year just the booking and other things have kind of went against them for me they're always yeah. invested there and we need to stay with you Grant because you are going to be the expert on this next wrestler as much as I joke with you at the start you are the, the, the prime fountain of, of New Japan knowledge here at ESSR and we need to talk about their champion we need to talk about Shingo Takagi at number 8 in the list Grant very well deserved he's had a banner year um, and he is New Japan representative on this top 10 list tell us about Shingo so Shingo's year has been really it's it's been for the fact that, the, that New Japan itself as a company has really struggled with the pandemic they have really suffered at points with numerous injuries Covid outbreaks all that sort of stuff Shingo's came into 2021 where he has 
held two different titles in the space this year. He has had the Never Openweight Championship, which he did drop to Hiroshi Tanahashi near the beginning of the year. But he has really cemented himself by the fact that, yeah, he lost out on getting the belt the first time when he went up against, uh, well, Will Ospreay. Um, Osprey got injured. Ibushi got injured. But he's beat Okada. And this is like he's been up against Big Match Okada and won twice this year. Yeah. He's had a, he had a phenomenal run in the G1, which, let's face it, no title holder ever really does very well in the G1. But he's just he's been an absolute unit all year for them. Um, they didn't play like that's one thing I've been saying for ages. New Japan needed a new champion, something fresh that wasn't playing it safe. Shingo Takagi, while it only happened due to four circumstances, has been what they needed this year. It's got lots of people's attention because he's a different champion from what they've had before. Yeah, and that's the thing, Grant. Do you think that Shingo will continue to have success, or do you see, obviously, uh, we have Wrestle Kingdom coming up. He has a slew of challengers, believe me. I believe he's going up against Akada night one, and then if he wins that, he needs to fight Osprey in night two, if I'm right. So that's going to be a tough task. Do you think that we see him come out of Wrestle Kingdom with the heavyweight title still on his shoulder? I'll be honest, just the way New Japan's playing things lately, I have got a very rotten feeling that that belt is going back on Okada. But at mm. the same time, the the big match of night two being Okada vs Osprey would be story-wise huge. Yeah, yeah, uh, good story-wise, but he got to feel maybe Takagi getting the short end of the straw to a certain extent. But regardless of that. On the list for 2021, this has been a great year for him, and I'm glad to see number eight is represented here. But we have to go and say yes, 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 because you talk about people having great years in WWE, talk about people having great years in AEW. Gary, there are very few who had great years in both, and that is Brian Danielson coming at number seven on this list. Some some great moments uh, from one of the all-time greats this year. Absolutely. When I think about uh, some of the highlights of the year for, for Brian, um, obviously his debut in AEW will go down as a moment, but the, the, his performance and his body of work leading up to and including WrestleMania, I thought that he, some of his performances were absolutely stellar. He is mm. somebody that doesn't seem to know how to phone it in, and probably for his own sake, probably needs to learn how to dial it in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know, punishment to that body just coming up. But you talk about the WrestleMania match, Triple Threat, Roman, Rage, Roman Reigns, Edge and Daniel Bryan. It's one of those ones he said that he didn't feel good about it. But as a fan, I can say, watching it, I thought that he didn't miss a beat. And Gary, you wouldn't think that we would have seen Bryan and Edge share a ring together. Just the, the story there was top notch. Absolutely, absolutely. And great storytelling. I love the the wrinkle of that added to it. And, you know, for example, it's uh, Edge's resentment mm. that followed. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was fab. Yeah, and then we need to come. Tom, you, you big fan, Brian Danielson, big AEW fan over here as well. He comes over and he has a stellar match stellar match against Kenny Omega what a way to announce yourself it goes to a draw like it's his stuff it's a match we want to see for years and it lived up to the hype oh absolutely I'm I'm very surprised that Danielson has hit number 7 I thought I really thought Danielson was going to be much higher on this list um, def- certainly my match my, my favourite men's match in WWE of the past year was 
the WrestleMania triple threat. Um, I, I think that Kenny Omega match has got to be th- possibly, possibly very tied with the Imperium match from War Games um, like nice. the other night. Um, I think that's got to be tied with with my match of the year, uh, Danielson and Omega. Um, yeah, I'm I'm super shocked how low down he is on this list. I thought he'd be much higher. Fair enough, fair enough. Like, hey, yeah. Grant, do you do you share that uh, the Brian Danielson not being higher, or do you think it's a fair placement? Um, just where do you stand on that? I, I feel it's quite a fair placement. Um, on my own list, he came in at number eight. Um, the main reason for that is that the WWE side of things, while the triple threat, I thought was a very good match. Outside of that, I kind of felt, I kind of feel like they've never been too sure what to do with Daniel Bryan ever since he came, like he, he properly came back. They've kind of struggled with what they want to do, and also he's made it very clear how frustrated he was not being able to go other places. Mm. So that was kind of a thing for me, but. The reason he goes into my top 10 is from the point he's came into AEW, he has been nothing short of absolutely stellar. And while Punk's kind of kept on the face side of things, Danielson has engaged full heel Danielson. He is kicking folks' fucking heads in. And yes, I yes. am I'm here for it. The old Ring of Honor, like this remind, this is the American Dragon. This is what yeah. I loved about Danielson back in Ring of Honor. And he's it's okay. so good to see. It's so good to see, especially the Eliminator tournament. Like just some great performances there. Like, what was your favourite match of that run? To me, like favourite match, like from like, in the Eliminator tournament, I just think the final with Miro was absolutely beautiful. And part of me wondered to an extent, did the two of them pretty much do this as a Fuck you, Vince. Look what we can do when we're given a little bit more freedom. <laughs> because the two, like, him and Miro's styles just meshed so well. And yeah. it was beautiful to watch. But to me, the, the, the half the half hour time limit draw, well, let's face it, it's better than the half hour time limit draw. Folk got ICW recently. Oh, the shots <laughs> fired by Grant <laughs> Robbie getting the guns, getting the darts. He's fucking throwing them all over the place. Uh, but Dave, Grant alluded to it there. He'll turn. Uh, for Brian Danielson, he's going up against the members of the Dark Order, and I've always thought that that the, he was doing like the kicks to the head thing still when he was in a face in WWE. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. it's definitely yeah, it a move. It's a definitely a move suited for a heel, and it looks brutal when he's just taking out bastards in the Dark Order, and that. Oh, listen, when he when Brian Danielson's American Dragon persona comes out, he is gonna he's gonna rip you a new one. Like it doesn't matter if you'll bend your arm the other way or you'll kick your head off like he's got the striking he's got the submission and i concur with what the guys are seeing the 30 minute time limit draw with kenny omega is arguably one of the best aw matches i've seen all year mm, yeah and we, we dave i'm gonna stick with you because mm-hmm. it's, it's time to worship at the altar it's time to to pay our respects to a messiah that is seth rollins coming in at number six seth rollins dave just one of the most consistent performers in all of wrestling in terms of in-ring and his heel persona, his heel character has certainly found its voice in WWE these days. Oh, definitely. Like, I think the start of the year obviously he returned at the Rumble after going on paternity for a bit, but I just feel like while he always had a consistent presence on WWE TV, I just felt like he wasn't getting enough big wins. Like, he lost to Cesaro at WrestleMania. He wasn't featured in the WWE Universal title picture until the end of 2021. Uh, but what I suppose defined his 2021 was his feud with Edge over the mm. summer. Like SummerSlam, the match on SmackDown in MSG, and then obviously the Hell in a Cell match uh, in Saudi. 
it was i mean it was a definitely a, a captivating series to watch and i can see why that would be enough to put rollins on the list he wasn't on my list personally largely just because i thought he, he just um he just didn't have a, an, enough payoff in all these big feuds so but i feel like maybe that was maybe that's something i didn't take into consideration more it's the fact that he had a just as a commanding presence like any of these other like uh people on this list did Oh, well, the thing is, someone had them very high up his list, and that is one Gary Kernan. You had Seth Rollins very high indeed, sir, at number two on your ranking. Well, you big fan of the feud with Edge, Gary. What was your favourite moment from that feud? Like, tell us about Seth Rollins in 2021. Oh, it's, it's Seth's character and his character work and his presentation the the messiah and more recently the visionary i just think that the guy is just just phenomenal um yes dave's right some of the stuff maybe at the start of the year he, he maybe could have been used better but we have criticized in the past big stars not you know giving other people a helping hand up and there's very few people that were disappointed to see cesaro come out of the other side of that match at WrestleMania. Now he seems to have fallen right back into the mid card now, which is unfortunate. But uh, Seth's year really got rocking and rolling with the Edge feud and the match at Hell in the, uh, the Hell in the Cell match they had oh, at Saudi God. Arabia was just utterly phenomenal. Mm. And I think that's you know it's the whole persona, uh, the performances put he puts in. Uh, in the ring, on the mic, as he's walking to the ring. I just think the man is is utterly phenomenal. Yeah, and the thing is, I think he's just... Like, you talk about... Dave said the criticism of him maybe not being in the title picture, but for me, he's WWE's best utility man. Whenever you put Seth Rollins on the card, he is going to be captivating, he's going to be interesting, he's going to put on a show. And those matches against Cesaro were, were fantastic. Then he had the stuff with the, the, the Edge feuds and you're right, Gary, that Hell in a Cell match was one of the better Hell in a Cells we've had since the company went PG. I think if there was anyone who was going to put on a, a good Hell in a Cell match, it was going to be Rollins and Edge, like two men who are no stranger to the concept. But I'm very excited for him because he's getting back into the, the big picture. You're right, Gary, he does put people over. He's going to put Big E over. Um, at day one, he probably won't eat the pin, but then we'll have singles matches probably at the Rumble after that. Whatever Rollins is in the card, he always shines. So I'm a big proponent for him being in this top 10 list and his in-ring work alone. But I, I just think that we've done enough talking about Seth Rollins. It's time to get to number five. And Grant, don't you think it's time we discuss some cowboy shit at number <laughs> five in this list? It's Hangman Adam Page. And you want to talk about long-term storytelling. Hangman Adam Page, the master of long-term storytelling. He won the big one, Grant. It was one of the best moments of 2021. Yeah, like, let's face it. I mean, some people may have argued, you know, they wanted it to happen sooner. But let's face it, the payoff at the end of the day people lost their minds it finally happened and i could not have been any happier to see him get on top and apparently this culmination has been in the plans for pretty much since the inception of aw because apparently according to big tony he had his first four champions in mind right from the get-go mm. so that that shows that like, how well they've kind of planned things out that in the space of a few years they've been able to go just onto their fourth champion but 
Hangman winning the belt is one of the hottest reactions I've seen for a title win probably since WrestleMania 30 with Daniel Bryan. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. And Tom, you've got to, you talk about this character. You talk about it's the combination of both with Hangman. He's got one of the best finishing moves I think in all of professional wrestling. I just I love I love it. I love it so much. Like Tom, why why do you think Hangman Adam Page deserves to be high up this countdown? He's actually one up where you put him. You had him at number six, uh, and he manages to fall at number five. Are you happy to see him climb one space? Yeah, you know what? I I am happy to see him uh, to see him hit the number five mark. I think that's a very good spot for him. I I don't think we've seen the best that Hangman Page has to offer, but I think that's purely because we're so close uh, into this story that they're telling, and I think we're going to see a lot more to come with with Adam Page. Um, yeah, I I think it's, it's it's exactly that. I mean, when we're talking about where Page places on this list. It's not just the culmination of the year because he's had time off, but you're looking at this is something that started back in in Vegas with the, those first sort of AEW matches, and it's like you look at it now, it's like the culmination of a story. That payoff, but alone, deserves his spot on the top yeah. ten list just from that reaction alone. Mm. Immensely entertaining character. And the thing is, it's it's not it's not only the match with Omega and the title win in the moment it was fantastic, but his performance in the casino battle, uh, ladder match as well uh, was phenomenal. That was such a great match, and you, you saw the reaction when he won that night because the crowd knew what that meant. The crowd knew that he was going to go on to get the world championship, and I don't think I always say this with storytelling: predictability isn't a bad thing as long as it's something that people want to see. If you can build up anticipation for a moment, if you can get people excited about seeing a moment, you don't have to pull a swerve. If that was WWE, Hangman Adam Page wouldn't have won that match against Kenny Omega for the World Championship. They would have made his way, and then it would have been too late to cash it in. They did exactly the right thing at exactly the right time. And this is as much, uh, I think, something that's based on the performer as it is based on the storytelling involved as well. Hang on, Adam Page. I tip the hat to you, sir. Some cowboy shit deserved to be in the top five, but possibly a controversial one. Very high up the list. At number four, Bobby Lashley. David mm. Hockney. Yeah. come to you. Oh, listen. 2021 was all Bobby. Like, it was <laughs> all of Bobby. Like, I'm telling you, this guy... <laughs> this guy started off the year with a very dominant United States title reign, right? He ends up losing at Elimination Chamber. Almost immediately, he goes and attacks Drew, who had just went through the chamber and retained the title. Miz cashes in money in the bank, obviously. And then literally just over a week later, he wins the title himself and goes on one of the longest title runs of the entire year at 196 days. Like, that on its own is pretty damn impressive for a guy in his first WWE title reign because he's always been placed in like a, a mid-card sort of position you know in the past he's always ever held the United States or Intercontinental title uh, but this was Lashley's breakout year like he got to go into Wrestlemania as the champion he had the alliance with MVP and he had the heart business backing him up as well he let me see what else did he have uh, he went through Drew, Braun Strowman, 
uh, Kofi Kingston, the rest of the New Day, even went through Goldberg at one point at SummerSlam. But I think what really exemplified him as the top guy was the last chance Hell in a Cell match against Drew. Like, you knew that this guy was built up to be the almighty for a reason, and this truly was his breakout year, both in terms of the fact that he spent most of it as a title holder. I mean, that's a testament into itself and how he was able to carry the company on his back for most of the year. I mean, he did a brilliant job of it. I mean, coming to Tom, Tom, not in your top 10. Did any of what Dave said there convince you that he should be in this higher position, the number four in our ranking? I'm, I'm not sure I agree with the high of the position, but um, looking back, I mean, I've been very switched off from WWE this year, so I probably have neglected how... I mean, Lashley was Lashley was a huge deal towards the start of the year um, in, ter- in terms of uh, people's investment in him to the point that people suddenly decided they wanted him to win the championship. So I think, I think a top 10 spot is definitely warranted. Mm. I'm not sure whether I agree on the number four spot. And Gary, I need to come to you because... You're probably thinking the reverse because you had him at number three. He's lower down, sir. Than you, you <laughs> wanted Bobby Lashley and uh, your ranking. Like, where do what do you think? Why, Dave said it as well. Why should Bobby Lashley be this high up the list? Well, I think yeah, I think Dave put a really compelling case forward, highlighting the 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 many achievements of Lashley over the year. Um, you know his his run with the hurt business was 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 a particular highlight and ended far 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 too soon. His partnership with MVP has been a revelation. Uh, his run with the championship he was made to look so dominant, uh, which we were desperate for from the minute that Lashley returned to WWE. So it finally came. The feud with Drew I thought was great. He, he I actually really enjoyed his feud with Goldberg. And their match at, um, at, at uh, Crown Jewel was also uh, was also very good. Now you can debate if the right person went over or not, which is not the purpose of this show. Uh, I can understand why some people felt um, uh, that I can understand why some people feel that Lashley's maybe too high up the the list mm. um, because after he's dropped the championship, he's not gone into another moment and that's something that WWE does need to work on because you can't be the champion forever and you can't be challenging for the championship forever so you yeah. do need to do with like what AJ Styles is currently doing or what Seth Rollins is currently doing and then be able to come back into the fold uh, in due course as well but I think Lashley has had you know these this past two years he has had a pretty I think it's probably the best period of his career well, to be fair, Gary, 61 points would say that the, most of the people at ESSR agree with you and Dave. You know, it's a very it's a very good points tally. It's very high ranking at number four, but number three, 73 points. The current WWE champion, Gary, Big E, wins money in the bank, wins the big one. One of the most entertaining men in wrestling, period, over the past decade. One of the best, the from my opinion, from my money, the greatest faction in WWE history in the New Day. Yeah. The man finally got his flowers. 
it's so great to see someone with with this personality and someone who's so highly thought of by his peers backstage, by the fan base as a whole, win the big one. It was such a good moment for Big E, Gary. Oh, absolutely fabulous. And there's not a person that I don't think had smile on their face when this when this happened uh, as well. So it's great to see it. And what's been great to see that followed it for following his victory and winning the championship he's, he's now gone on to have some really credible main event calibre matches which is not something that you could have said of Big E I think before he won the championship uh, although he was in the losing end at Survivor Series I think that was the best performance we'd seen from Big E in a singles match and I, I think that's probably for me uh, Biggie wasn't at the top of my list and it's for that reason that I didn't have him there I thought at the start of the year solid mid-card work uh, I don't think it was hugely spectacular obviously he's a great over-the-top character winning money in the bank and then the, the cash-in and the, the work he's gone on to do subsequently I thought it was really good and we need to see more of that from Biggie as we as we move forward, yeah, one hundred percent. And Grant, you've you've been lapsed from WWE uh, this year. The company's turned you off, but it must have caught your attention. It must have put a smile on your face to see Big E win the WWE Championship. Well, I mean, dis- despite how much I've got a complete disdain for WWE at this point in time, they've done some things right. Putting the belt on Big E was one, and the other was putting the King of the Ring on Xavier Woods. Those yeah. are two massive feel-good moments, and Big E uh, in particular. I think the I think the big one for me on that was the, the emotional thing about well, he was he was close to Brody Lee, mm. and and that that title win meant a lot. And there was some mention, but like, we better tribute to him and that. So. Yeah, like, you know, I love that they put the belt on him and that it's still on him, that they've not just, like, went, all right, we'll put the belt on you, let's get rid of it for, like, you've had it for a wee token range. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it actually feels like a very good and important champion. And they're, they're building him, and, and Tom, we've talked about the cash in the moment, but was there anything else, any other moment that stood out for you from Big E in 2021? Um, I don't, I don't know if there's any particular... Uh, specific moments. I think part of the culmination of Big E is the fact that it is a culmination. The fact that he is he is the champion that they have needed for so long in terms of a truly likable babyface star who can work a fantastically different style of wrestling. Uh, than what other baby faces have had before and stuff like that. Um, he he is basically the champion that they uh, they've took their time about it, but they finally molded someone into the champion that they want. That a lot of people can connect with. A lot of um, he reaches other areas that past champions haven't been able to reach in terms of his output. Um, he's he's just he's a he's a likable feel feel good is is the word that um someone used beforehand and like if there were more feel good moments like this in wwe a lot more people would be watching wwe yeah and dave you host a show in the new day a couple of weeks ago in this very uh, this very network go and check it out but this feels like now all three members of the new day have been acknowledged as top guys in their own right and despite the fact that people said they had to get serious, they had to do things a certain way, they stuck to their guns. And that's why it's good to see Big E have such success in 2021. 
Yeah, I think the outpouring of support for Big E winning his uh, winning the championship was all you needed to all you needed to put Big E on this list. You know, given how much of a successful year he's had, you know, with winning Money in the Bank, and let's not forget at the start of the year as well, he was reigning Intercontinental Champion, and he had that rather underrated feud with Apollo Cruz, even though it did feel like it dragged on a little bit. But I think the 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 Nigerian drum fight at WrestleMania, I think the, the stipulation was a little bit pointless, so I had to dock some points for that. But overall, you know, Big E has has become the guy. You know, he's become the final boss of WWE and he's he's just rolling with it and everybody loves him for it. Fair enough, guys. And that brings us to the big moment of truth in this half of the show. We have two wrestlers remaining. Two wrestlers left standing one from wwe is mr roman reigns the other from AEW, mr kenny omega tom who do you think will be number one i can't call it if i had to guess i think roman reigns dave well i'm gonna stick with my number one again and i'm gonna say roman reigns daddy uh, roman grant kenny can say at number two wrestler we'll be discussing right now from roll please <laughs> over the the virtual microphone the, the wrestler we'll be discussing right now is mr kenny omega grant kenny omega topping your list coming in at number two here AEW title reign that will go down in the, the history books. It was fantastic stuff. Him with Don Callis. What a pairing that was for the AEW. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the pairing of Don Callis, the, the invisible hand, um, Omega going just full-blown cocky heel over the whole year. Multiple titles over multiple companies at the same time. The belt collector. Really, he's, 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 he's done it all pretty much in the space of a year. It's mm. it's, un, it's unreal. Um, and that's why, to me, he was uh, a clear-cut number one for me. Um, although, no, no slight, no slight against Roman because Roman did also make my top five. He was the only guy in WWE that made my top ten, and it's because Roman himself has had a great year as well. But yeah, Omega to me just an undisputed number one for me. And what was your what, what was your favourite match from from Kenny this year? If you had to pick one, like you say, he's had many over different promotions for different title belts. But if you had to pick one, what was the what was the standout Kenny Omega match? People should check out in twenty twenty one. To me, him and Danielson. You got a thirty minute draw on on TV and it was a pay per view quality match unreal mm. quality and I still think more to think about it it is probably my match of the year at the moment yeah fantastic stuff and, and Tom Kenny Omega coming in hot you had Roman Reigns ahead of him on your list but you still had Kenny high up there number four he is just he's a man that you can't deny has been the backbone on which AEW has been built for a long time um, yeah I, th- I think he's had an, an incredibly solid this has been arguably his reign's been the best title reign um of the uh, of the main title in AEW so far um I, I this is this has been my favorite version of Kenny that I've seen in any promotion ever I've always had a sort of a love hate relationship with Omega um in the past in terms of um how how highly rated he is but everything everything I've seen even 
even I think um, the matches that now have um, slightly negative views on them just because of the exploding barbed wire death match. <laughs> the, yes, the finish is an absolute dud, but the match inside of it, that's a fantastic match right there. Um, every Ever since he's had this sort of gimmick change, I think the majority of what he's touched has really turned to gold. Yeah, uh, and, yeah, it's 100% right. Because you, you look at Kenny Omega and you talk about why he was such a successful champion. It's because he was the guy that we wanted to see beat. But we also knew when he would be beat. You know? So it gave, us, it gave us the opportunity to enjoy it while we had it. To enjoy those challengers, to enjoy those matches, to enjoy the art uh, that, that Kenny Omega was putting out. Because he is the type of wrestler you look at what he does. And he's so meticulous and it's so skillful and it's so technical. Yeah, and the V-trigger, again, talk about great manoeuvres. I, I love whenever a V-trigger's hit because it looks as if the guy has just died, you know, right there in the middle of the ring. It's just so, so brilliant. But tip of the hat to Kenny Omega, number one in the list, ESSR's favourite male wrestler of 2021, topping the chart as Roman Reigns. And Gary, you to look at years past, Roman Reigns was not topping any fan opinion polls for a very long time. Oh, how the tables have turned. Oh, how times have changed. Oh, absolutely. We're getting the version of Roman Reigns that we wanted all that time ago. And I mean, when you look back at Roman's year, is there anything you can point fault at? I mean, you go back to the Rumble. He had a, I thought he had a cracking match with Kevin Owens then. We obviously seen Daniel Bryan that followed at Fastlane, the, the match with Edge and Bryan we mentioned already. Cena at SummerSlam, Finn, uh, whilst the finish of that was made a bit dodgy, <laughs> uh, Brock and then Big E. I mean, my goodness, the, the, we, we were sick of the sight of Roman and Brock for a period of time, and now the two of them with this fresh coat of paint. <laughs> and then, like, you know, we're super excited about what's going to follow with with those two again. I just think Roman uh, with Heyman, with the Usos, just a fabulous package. What a year. What oh, a it's, year, it's so brilliant. It's so brilliant. And you look at packaging, Dave, pairing them with the, the Usos, part of the bloodline, Paul Heyman. It's just all worked. It's just all been brilliant. And the way he's been presented and protected on SmackDown makes mm. him feel like a superstar, a big name attraction. Everything that they've done with Roman Reigns this year has been perfection. Like the evolve, the, the evolution of the bloodline, Jimmy returning from injury and both the Usos falling in line. Like that level of storytelling was unreal. And just look at how many people he beat this year. Kevin Owens, smashed. Daniel Bryan, smashed. Edge, smashed. Cesaro, smashed. Rey Mysterio, smashed. Finn Balor, smashed. Like, he's literally smashed everybody on the roster this entire year. And brought Lesnar, even, even John Cena at SummerSlam as well, whose return alone at Money in the Bank was enough to pop everybody. Not to mention that that same night he just beat Edge. So he's beaten so many Hall of Fame-worthy talent in the space of a year, all while telling this brilliant story of his family, his bloodline, and it just added a whole new layer of chemistry and just dominance on what... And he and the bloodline are the sole reason why SmackDown has probably been one of the best shows the entire year. Tom, with lengthy title reigns, it's hard for them not to feel stale. 
you know, look back in recent times, like there's been guys that we've looked at and thought it's time for your reign to end. AJ Styles maybe comes to mind. Why do you think it's worked for Roman Reigns having the title on him this much, this long with this character? Because it because it's what we've wanted for so many years. Could you imagine if they'd done this five years ago? Yeah. Like where we'd be in mm. in <laughs> in terms of WWE storytelling. If they'd done this when we were asking for it all them years ago, where we said this is this is a character we could maybe get invested in if you turned him heel and gave him someone to talk for him because he's terrible on the mic. Like <laughs> you you could have still had at least half of these matches of the same quality that you've had you could have still had the Cena run when Cena was arguably at his at his best physical peak it's it's insane that um that this has come where it's come and that we're now we're now doing this when we should have been doing it five years ago um yeah I I I think it's it's literally just the fact that it's something that we've said it I think part of it's just the personal gratitude of the fact that we the fans said this would work when 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 it was happening and now they've done it and we're like this is pretty good imagine if you'd done it when we actually asked for it mm, yeah exactly and grant you talked about it the only wwe entry on your list roman reigns why was he the saving grace why was he the silver lining on the clouds that you didn't like of wwe why was it roman reigns who caught your attention because i think well it was, it was nailed in the head earlier this was the version of roman reigns that should have been around for a while but Whereas sometimes you'd maybe say things are kind of brought in too late, like we talked about with Hangman, like if it was WWE, they would miss the the, the bit of like the, the opportunity. Roman doing it during the pandemic has possibly been one of the best booking decisions WWE has done probably in the last five years, um, because he's instantly unlikable in a proper heel way. He doesn't do any cheap heat to get it. He just. It comes across in such a strong way, getting the bloodline together, making the stable out of a family. It's it, it, it writes itself. It makes money, and he's looked completely. While while he's mostly been dominant, there has been times where you can see like, without the bloodline there, it's came pretty close for him. And I think that with this culmination heading towards Lesnar at day one, I'm I'm ex- It's it's one of the few things that I will probably check the highlights for because I'm interested in it seeing what happens it is, it's something that I have to say I tip my hat to Roman Reigns he's made the best out of it now given this opportunity to be his own man not having a character forcing him this feels so natural Roman Reigns tops ESSR's list for 2021 topping off what I think gentlemen has been a very good top 10 we have all put together it has been something that I am very proud of us for doing this project and I'm very happy uh, with the outcome. How do we all feel? Are we all happy? Mostly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what were you not happy with, Dave? I don't know. I think there was just a couple on both lists that I disagreed with, but I think the guys that did vote the ball, I think actually put forward a pretty solid case. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Well, listen, it's time to say goodbye. And I need to thank my panel, David Hockney. Thank you very much. Thanking you. All right, Gary, thank you again. No problem. Thank you, sir. Grant McRobbie, pleasure as always. Pleasure as always. Thank you very much. And Big Boss Tom. 
Good to see you again, sir. <laughs> it's good to be here. Can't wait for <laughs> Bailey at the Royal Rumble. Yes, come on, let's do it. <laughs> anyway, guys, thank you very much for, for listening to this show. Um, this has been the top 10 of 2021 for ESSR. And for myself and everyone at ESSR, I hope you have a very happy new year and we will see you in 2022. Hi, I'm Scott McLeod. And I'm Grant Negrobby. We are the hosts of the monthly show on the Suplex Retreat East Meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East. You can remember to check that out on the Eat Seek Suplex Retreat podcast feed on all good Android podcasting sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.